Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Welcome to another episode of Spirit Katana. I'm one of your hosts, the old man. I'm Ruby. And I'm Jadefire. And today we will be discussing the last four chapters of Acts. Um, what is that, 25 through 28? Yes. And the first four chapters of Romans, which would be Romans 1 through 4, just in case anybody didn't understand that one. <laughs> I, I was a little confused there. All right, so we left Paul in prison, right? He had Felix there, and then he was left there for a while. Two years? Yeah, two years had passed, and then Felix was not no longer in that position, and now we had Porcius, Por- Porcius, Porcupine, Festus, um, because Felix left him in there when he left. So As now, a niceness to the Jews? Yeah, because he wanted to appease the Jews, grant a favor to them. Alright, so now we have Paul's trial before Festus. So we had a trial with Felix, and then he talked to Felix on and off for a while, because Felix kept hoping for a bribe, right? Now we have, right? That was him, right? Yeah? Does that sound familiar? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) No? (laughs) Alright. Paul's trial before Festus. So the Jewish leaders wanted a favor from Festus now. For Paul to be transferred to Jerusalem because they wanted to ambush and kill him along the way. So they're like, just move him, please. And now we kill him. And so Festus headed to where Paul was being held. And he said, you can ha- you can have some of your leaders come with me so we can um, have a trial and figure out what's up. And so once again, Paul explains how he's done nothing wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of that. He's just, like, recorded or something. Like, on letter. They don't have... And he even says, if, however, I'm guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. He's fine with that. Um, But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. And then he appeals to Caesar. Appeals? Yes, he's like, I want Caesar to rule on this. I appeal to Caesar. And so Festus is like, talk to some people. He's like, fine, you'll go see Caesar. <laughs> um, and then he talks with King Agrippa. And after they talk about things, they're like, hey, you know, Paul seems fine. Like, we could let him go. In fact, we would let him go if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. So now he has to go see Caesar. Otherwise, we could have just let him free. So why did they just let him free instead of letting him go see Well, it was after he went to talk to... So he... Paul already appealed to Caesar during the one trial. Okay. So now, he talks to King Agrippa, and when they're talking, they're like, yeah, I don't see any reason for him to be imprisoned, and so we would let him free, but he's already appealed to Caesar, so now his case has to be taken to Caesar. It's not for them to decide on anymore. Oh! But it's fine, because God told Paul he needed to go to Rome. And he went to Rome? And that's that's where he needs to go to see Caesar. Um... But, before they make that decision, King Agrippa wants to talk to Paul himself and see what's up, right? Mm-hmm. And, let's see. So yeah, he's like, the whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought to not ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I have brought him before all of you, and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. For I think it is unreasonable to send a prisoner on to Rome without specifying the charges against him. So he's like, I don't see anything wrong, so I'd free him, but I've already said that he goes to, to see Caesar in Rome, the emperor. But I don't know what to write to the emperor about why we're sending him to him, since I don't actually see anything wrong. <laughs> 
Yeah. So then Agrippa lets Paul speak for himself, and Paul began his defense. Okay, he does a lot of that. Yes, he does, which he uses as a lot of testimony. He chats and chats about what he's been doing and how God has affected yeah. him. It's like he's doing a sermon about how God's affected his life and this yep. and that. Like, when missionaries come to your church and they do a sermon about what God's been doing to them. So, once once Paul... So, in chapter 26, once Paul gets to the whole thing about um, the Messiah and being the, he would be the first to rise from the dead and all this stuff... Festus interrupts him and says, you're crazy. <laughs> He's like, you, you've been reading too much that all your learning, you've gone insane. And Paul's like, nope, <laughs> I'm not most excellent, Festus. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. I did like that part. Wait, where did I? I have to look where my highlights are. This pencil's kind of thin on. Yeah, I like that verse where he's like, you've got insane and cuckoo. Yeah. So yeah, he's just like, I'm not, this is reasonable. Christianity is actually a reasonable thing to follow, is what he's suggesting. Um, and apparently the king is familiar with this stuff. I don't understand all the ins and outs of governorship and emperors and kings and stuff, but apparently King Agrippa understands stuff about the prophets and all that. Well, because, maybe other prophets have been in prison there. Because he's like, the king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice, because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. And then King Agrippa's like, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul replied, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. Like, he wants them all to be Christian, not imprisoned. Yeah, I like that. And then, sure enough, they agreed, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Yep, they're like... And this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. <laughs> but he's supposed to appeal to Caesar. Yep, so then in chapter 27, Paul sets sail for Rome. I, I really like all this sailing and the talking about the sails. Yeah. The whole thing about sailing. What? Why? Why exactly? Like, what is it about the sailing that you like? I don't know. It's just a neat story, especially later on, or, um, how he's like, the boat will be demolished, but nobody will die, and how one person really liked Paul on the boat, and, like, that's more towards the end of the boat yeah. area, but I kind of just like it in general. Okay. Yeah, I, th I find it very interesting. There's a lot of interesting details thrown in there, too. Because yeah. it talks about what kind of ship it was, and they even talk about what's carved at the front of the ship. It's a couple of god images of gods or whatever. Yeah. And that ship is eventually destroyed, <laughs> which is interesting, because it had carved images of gods that aren't god. I don't know if that was why, but it's just, it's interesting. I think he's, I think they were believing or something like that. Yeah. I also like the counter at the island. I do too, but before we get there, there was a lot of struggles in their sailing. Yes. Um, and then when they're at one place, Paul even says, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. And so they he was more sailing. He was more persuaded by them than by Paul, is what yeah. mine says. Okay. And that's when Paul says that the boat's going to be demolished. Um, and since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority, majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Uh, this was a harbor in Crete, facing both southwest and northwest. So there was a harbor called Phoenix, which I think is cool, because I love the idea of the creature Phoenix. And I'm just kind of curious as to why, like, what they thought of Phoenix when they named their places such things. Yeah, I wonder how they get all that. these names for different things. Hmm. And then we have the storm. The storm! It was a pretty severe one. Obviously, since it destroyed their ship. Yeah. 
But when they did finally listen to Paul, all their lives were saved, it sounds like, right? They all made it. Yeah. They lost a lot of cargo and the ship, though. And they were nervous some people were going to escape. Yes, they were, but nobody did, did they? But the guy's like, just let them go. All that were able to swim had to swim to shore, and all who weren't able to swim, they got ways to get them there. And then, Acts 28, they're on the shore, and they found out that it was an island called Malta. Yeah. And Luke is with them this whole time. That's why it's written in the Wii all the time. Yeah, I found that interesting to see that. Yeah. Um, and that's where Paul gets bitten by a snake. I do like that part. It kind of reminds me of when they're in Egypt and all of them are dying from snake bites and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Do you recall that story about Paul? Mm-hmm. Where he gets bitten by a snake? Oh, that one? No. Oh, just the Moses one? Yeah, gotcha. I thought the Moses was... Yeah, they're smart. all by a fire or something, I think. Yeah, they're around a fire, yeah, and... A snake comes out of nowhere and bites him, and all the islanders are like, oh, he must be an evil man, and he's going to die now because it's some kind of poisonous snake. But he just shakes it off, and nothing bad happens, and they're like... <gasps> he's so a god! Think, he's a god. <laughs> and I'm they like... They were very superstitious people. And I also I wrote... That I also okay. wrote, these okay. people should stop guessing. Yeah. Stop, stop just guessing weird things. Yep. Ask him. Maybe he'll tell ya. Yep. How to guess that? And then Paul, uh, they eventually set sail from there, and Paul makes it to Rome. After three months, we put out to sea. So it took three months on the island before they set back out again. Well, they had to build a new boat or something, didn't they? Um, or wait for a boat to come by or something. I feel like they would have waited for a boat to come by, because oh, that yeah, would no. take a while. After thing. three months, we put out to sea in a ship. That had wintered in the island because it was getting to be that time, so they needed to, so they needed that weather to pass uh, and be better. I see. And it was another Alexandrian ship, and this is the one that actually had the gods figure uh, carved into it. So it wasn't the one that got destroyed. I was wrong about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it might have, but this one definitely did. We had the gods Castor and Pollux. I don't know who they are. It um, says something about heavenly twins, is that... Yeah, the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. Uh, that was confusing to me, heavenly twins, and he said that, and I'm like, yeah. And then Paul preaches at Rome while under guard. Yeah, isn't he only have one guard and free to live wherever he wants and stuff? Um, or is that I don't know where they're yet, but he's being guarded still, and he's preaching to everyone there. Um, kind of also giving his testimony again at the same time. Yeah. And then I think, let's see, in verse 24, some were convinced by what he said, but others would not believe. So, I mean, that's always going to be the case. There are going to be people that don't believe, but it just shows that he was reaching people. And which probably started the church in Rome, which is who he wrote Romans to. <laughs> He wrote Romans to the people he... They oh, wait, that's the next... Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that was the next... Yeah. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will listen. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without... Oh, yeah, you were right about that. So the one soldier guarding him was prior was there? to the preaching. That was a verse right before. When I think mean, mine kind of highlights Paul that. was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. So, yeah, he had plenty of freedom there. He wasn't really... Was the soldier guarding him just to protect him from danger? I don't know. I don't know if they were, I don't know if maybe it was to stop him from escaping, or both. Paul's kind of like... Maybe it was even both. Maybe it was to make sure he stayed, but also to protect him. Cause I don't really know. I don't know what they meant by that. Paul should have cared either way, because it's like, if he's protecting him, that's even guarding, greater for him. Guarding someone could have two meanings, so... Yeah, but, and then... <laughs> so I just don't know. <laughs> Alright, then we go into Romans, where he addresses the believers in Rome. Alright, this is a big, heavy book. Romans 1. It seems that after his two years of renting a house in Rome, it's possible he left again. 
because it does mention here, first I thank God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times, and I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. So, like, he's not there now. Sounds like he wants to return to the believers in Rome to visit them, unless unless he set some church up in Rome before he got sent to Rome as a prisoner, but I don't think that's how the timeline works out. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, he, that's just funny how he was being written about, like, a lot in the last book, but now he's being the one writing probably a lot in this book. Yeah, yeah now we're getting into Paul's writings. We had Luke's writings for Acts and Luke, but now we're into Paul's writings. Um, and it's just weird to think that he was this awful man killing everybody who believed in Jesus, yet now he's, like, this great guy who's doing, like, everything following Jesus. People are trying to kill him. He's preaching, but he uses his bad story sometimes to just, like, show that he was... A sitter, and now he's not. Yep. So, I really like... Let's see, 18 through 20. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities... His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So I just really like this because it says his invisible qualities, meaning things you cannot see, right? Yeah. But he's made it, but his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. There is invisible qualities that have been clearly been seen because they're understood from what has been made. We can see God's power just by looking at what he's made. And it's clear and understandable so that we have no excuse not to believe in him. Yeah. We make up excuses, but we don't have a legitimate one. We try to figure out other ways around it. Oh, there's a big bang or whatever that created the universe. When it's like, no, that doesn't make any sense based off of anything else we've ever studied and understand. (laughs) The first time I actually heard about the big bang, I was like, what are they talking about God do all that? What did they mean, the big bang? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you or Bob it's told me. I was like. Something out of nothing. And that's an impossibility. Yup. Atmosphere was good. Well, and that's just it. Like, people will argue back and be like, well, where does God come from then? And we have no answer to that because he's eternal. He just always is, right? It's just. Here's the thing, though. Either you have to have faith that God exists or God's. If, I mean, I don't believe in gods, but I'm just saying, like, it, yeah, you yeah. have to have a belief that there is some creating power that has always existed, or that out of randomness and nothingness, all on its own, we had an explosion of reality. Either way, you have to believe in something you can't understand fully. And everything else that we've seen shows evidence that things need to be made to exist. Things don't just happen and exist all on their own, right? Yeah. Therefore... It makes a lot more sense to believe that there's at least a creating hand or multiple hands, like different gods, doing that, than it is to believe that just something happened out of nothing and we exist. (laughs) It's just so weird for me to think of at the beginning and the darkness and just like out of this world. It's just so hard for me to get a concept. Yeah, people will tell you that you aren't logical or not a reasonable person if you want to believe in a creator and that's just a crutch just to give you some meaning to your life and and make you feel better but there's a lack of reasoning on the other end too that they don't seem to acknowledge (laughs) they don't explain a whole lot for their part um with the big bang theory about like where did cop um who knows maybe god did use a big bang to create the world, but um, he also could just say, of just 
like grab something and just put it in place or like like he probably he could have been let there be a big bang but we didn't know about that well i mean and then we have a description of how he created things and it wasn't all at once like the big bang would suggest well the big bang but i do believe in a sort of big bang god said and bang there was (laughs) god said let there be light bang there was light God said, let there be land. Bang, there was land. <laughs> but the Big Bang Jade Fire is talking about, um, I kind of think that if it is true, which I don't think it would be because of the way God created the things in this world, but he could have just done a Big Bang, you know, to create the world, the world itself basically because the earth was without void but without form without form and it was void or something right but the theory of the big bang is that all stars and everything exploded chunks of earth and like planets or whatever and stars and they all just keep spreading out further because of that big explosion I so the universe see. keeps expanding from that explosion. I mean, there could have still been a Big Bang, but not as their theory. Right. Like, it could have been a slower Big Bang. That it... That's wouldn't, that wouldn't actually be a Big Bang at that point. Here's the thing, okay. though. Here's the thing. Because people will do this with evolution as well. They'll be like, well, God could have used evolution to create people and animals, right? Mm-hmm. But that is a human theory. Same with the Big Bang. Those are human theories that we are trying to fit into God's creation that isn't written in the Bible. Maybe he used something like it to do that, but it doesn't suggest that. And we're trying to wrap our heads around and trying to explain something that isn't even proven. The Big Bang is not a proven fact. Evolution is not a proven fact. And we're trying to come up with a way that God could have used it just to appease to people that want to believe in these things. And there's no real reason for it. It's like, why? This isn't even a proven thing, so why are we trying to fit this into the theology of God? It doesn't really matter that much. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, <laughs> but It that... really doesn't matter just as long as you believe Jesus died for your sins. God. Believe in him. Said he did it in seven days. That's what's written. And that's kind of what I subscribe to. There are people who will be like, well, maybe the seven days weren't 24 hours long. Maybe they just, because he just had night and day on the first day. But again... That seems like you're putting God into kind of a box, suggesting that he can't just do it in the time frame that he has created. (laughs) Yeah. You can't put God in a box. He could literally do anything. There are some things that he can't do, but he can actually do. And there's no reason to take it at the literal word of what we understand a day to be. I don't see there's any reason for us to do that. Because God can do whatever he wants in that creation because he created how everything works. So, for me, because there's just en- there's not enough information to explain to the evolution stuff, like, you could fit it in there, but there's no reason to. That I'm just going to take the Bible at its word at that point and be like, okay, he did this on day one. And it was a normal day. And <laughs> day two, normal day. Well, <laughs> he could have made... Maybe it wasn't, but there's no reason to... Yeah, the days could be longer or shorter depending on how God wanted them, really. But, like, it would have made more sense. It makes more sense to me that they were 24 hour days. But, whatever. But it doesn't matter. Um, and it couldn't have been possible for evolution because God's. Because in the Bible it says, let there be man, and bang! There was man. Well, maybe man came out of the fishes that he already created. And that day was a really, really thousand years long. Like the same time it would take to get through a thousand years. Maybe that's how long that day was. Is what somebody might tell you. I guess. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like you mm-hmm. can try to fit it in there if you really want to try to force it in there. But it feels really forced and it's not what it says. So it seems weird. So I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I'm not arguing with you. I'm just telling you what people will argue with. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> it doesn't matter just as long as you know that... God created it however he wanted. Yeah. Because, like, it makes more sense, and I would call it each day a normal day. But, like, if God didn't actually do that, I would perfectly believe it, because it's him. Yeah. He can do what he wants. Another problem is if we're using evolution as a way of God creating language, then why do we not see any more signs of that happening? 
Yeah, why don't we Because he created see... the order of how things are supposed to work. And we don't see life working in that way. <laughs> it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> also doesn't make sense that in the past people would live hundreds of years, but now yeah. they won't. Yeah, exactly. We're becoming less than instead of more. Because there's a, a scientific scientific law called entropy, which means everything is deteriorating all the time. Huh. Like things get worse over extended periods of time. A good example is if you had a deck of cards and threw them yeah. off of the roof, they would spread out kind of far, right? Yeah. If you took that same deck of cards and flew up into a plane and then threw them out, they would go much further and be even more separate and destroyed. <laughs> The more time you have, the more things fall apart. <laughs> that deck of cards would really get flowed apart because they're kind of like paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're going to be scattered all over the yard. Or they're going to be scattered, depending on how high you're, fly you're flying, over the state. Or maybe, you know. I don't know the if city. they'd actually get beat up. Would they? They just kind of like float? I'm not saying the cards themselves are getting beat up. I'm saying that they're becoming more destroyed. The deck is no longer whole, right? Yeah, you're not going to get that deck back! It um, just gets worse. And it won't even... And the one time you might... You not won't even might get lucky and it'll just land in a perfect pile from one to... Yeah, well that won't happen. No. <laughs> that won't happen at all. Um, unless and, God made it do it. Yeah, he'd be like, and we're going to make this deck of cards, boom! There, now you've seen my power. <laughs> and, and like, if you drop the cards, if there's gravity even in outer space, and you drop the cards from a spaceship on the moon, or on, from on the moon towards the Earth, they probably hit one card in every state. Uh, no, they you, wouldn't even make it. The if you tried to drop them off the moon, so they would land on the moon. No, I meant like, yeet them. Yeet! Does it... If you throw them while you're I'm on the moon, they're still going to land on the moon. What? How does that work? There's gravity on the moon. Yeah? It's less than the Earth, so they're going to fly further, but they're still going to land back onto the moon. Not even from at full power? At your full power? Definitely not. At my full power? Definitely not. What if you shot them out of a cannon that... That's a really good question. That would have involved a lot of other scientific stuff that I don't know how to figure out for a cannon to work in on the moon. Also, <laughs> they wouldn't even make it to Earth. They would make it to our atmosphere. Yeah. It's so hot, it would burn. Again, you're also kind of off on that, too. Because if you threw them, if you were next to the moon, let's say you're next to the moon or past the moon or whatever, you throw them into space, they're just floating in space. I'm asking, I'm saying if there was gravity towards the Earth in space. Oh, He's saying if you could part. get them into the Earth from a very far distance well, in outer that, space, then they would be in every I state. think just going into the sky was plenty enough. <laughs> I don't yes, think we but, need to go into the space for this analogy. But it, they'd still get, they'd spread even farther. I get what you're here. saying, but we could just go with distances of height. That's why I used the house and a plane. <laughs> that was good enough. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, um, moving on from there, we had, For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise... They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So they knew God, but they decided, eh, now we're going to make other gods and follow those. And claimed to be wise in doing so, but obviously, clearly, very foolish. <laughs> They're like, we're the smartest people on earth. Now, which way is which? <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, and if they're creating, um, fake gods, like idols, mm -hmm. why isn't it something, um, like fantasy, like a fantasy creature or something, and something that's actually existing? You know, I don't know. They're foolish people. I don't, I can't, I can't tell you why they're, the idea of creating a constructed god is so weird to me. Be like, I made this, and now I'm going to worship this. Or these snakes slithering on the ground. I am going to worship these creatures that 
if they're poisonous, might be able to kill me, but that's only if I am not watching them. <laughs> also, it's... Where did you get that? Did you get this for, that from the god you just created? Where'd you get everything you have? But, yeah, that's true too. But, now, we do create idols in our lives, just not in that same way. When we put too much and fear other things. Fearing things is also a way of worshipping them because we put in the power on them as opposed to God's power, right? Mm-hmm. We're yeah. to fear God and God only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we fear things like losing our job, it means we're putting too much emphasis on our job providing for us and not God providing yeah, for us. Yeah, you need to trust in Him. We need to trust Him. Um, so we create idols all the time, just not in the, the more obvious form of actually making an object. Um, and because of all this, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever (gasps) praised. Amen. That's where that verse is from. We do catechisms (laughs) every day and one of the things has a verse, and they always have a verse to go with it. It's what is, what is idolism? One. Oh shoot! What is idolism? Um, no. What is idolatry? What? Oh, yeah, that makes more sense. What is idolatry? Um, idolatry is believing in created things rather than the creator. Yep, Romans one twenty five. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie. And worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Um, but what? It, so like they decided to worship created things. They ex- they made their own idols. And so what did God do? He let them go. God them. gave them over. He let them do what they wanted. See, He lets them have a choice. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lusts. He gives them a choice. Yep. He he gives them the choice. And the, and that is a punishment. To give them over to those sins is a punishment. Because mm-hmm. so it's correct. ruining. You are correct. But it's like, he doesn't have to go over there and smack them upside the head. <laughs> He's like, there you go. You chose? Now, he has done things like that in the past, for sure, to help correct them so they understand the dangers. Like with an earthquake that swallowed up a bunch of people in uh, Exodus. What? Wait, what? You're going to show me that later. Okay. So he does things, but he also just lets you do your own thing. Mm-hmm. And then this verse, or this section, too, explains the sin of um, same-gender sexual relationships, which some people do not like very much. They don't like Romans Part 1 for that reason, and they will explain it by suggesting... That it means you're not allowed to do that in the temple. And then right after all that, 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind, so that they do what ought not to be done. He didn't make them do what not ought to be done. He just gave them over to it. Let them follow that, what they want. Which includes every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy. What's envy? Something. Does anybody know what envy is? Um. Get up here out of the blanket, please. Wanting something that's not yours? There it is. Good job. Oh, yes! Um, so envy, murder, strife, deceit. What's deceit? Like, trickery, like... It's not exactly lying, Magicians. but misleading, misleading. Ma- magicians. Le- lying can be a part of it, for sure. Magicians. Yes, but it's misleading. <laughs> and malice. They are gossips. Slanderers. Do you guys know what gossips are or slanderers are? Oh, uh, gossips are like lying about people behind their backs. Not even always lying, but talking about things that are supposed to be private for them to be... Like, spreading out things that they've done that don't necessarily need to be known by everybody. And just talking about... All the awful, you know, whatever. Doesn't it doesn't mean specifically just lying about them? Just... Slander is lying about them. <laughs> Behind their backs? Uh not, not necessarily. You can do it in front of them, but if you're convincing people of something that they didn't do, it's slander. So it's easier to do that. If their you backs. can prove slander, you can actually sue people for slander in our 
uh, culture. What? That, that, I mean, that's good, but that's just cray-cray. God-haters, insolent, arrogant, and boastful. That means thinking too much of yourself <laughs> and talking about how awesome you are. <laughs> um, they invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, and no mercy. No love, no mercy. That's not good. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. So, God, they decided to exchange all the knowledge of God and everything, and they decided to... And so God's like, fine. And their their thought process and their deciding to worship other things led them down these awful paths. Of murder, lying, disobedience, all kinds of just terrible things. Alright, chapter two. God's righteous judgment. God judges Oh, sorry, sin. was there anything else in chapter one that you wanted to cover? Uh, uh, I don't think so. Okay. I know, I was talking a lot, because I, I really enjoy Romans, so... I'm going to add it on to your yeah, things. Yeah. Alright, so Romans 2, we're in uh, God's righteous judgment. You therefore God have judges. no excuse... You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. I highlighted that. Yeah. You judge other people, and then you go off now, and do it. You tell them, don't. Right. Don't do it. But, we but know, then you go do it. But God can judge, because we're like, now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. Yes. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? No. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? You hear that? He's still kind to you and wants to lead you to repent. All of us. He loves us very much. But, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Now, when we feel terrible about our sin, and awful about it, and are confronted with it, and it actually hurts us and breaks us, and we're like, whoa, we need to change, and we repent of it, good. But if we were stubborn and fight it and just keep on doing it, it's going to be a problem. The fact that we can... If it cuts us, if it hurts us, if it makes us cry, then there's that means God's working in you. He's giving you that chance to come. He, you obviously can recognize it in that instance, and so he's just calling you to him to repent and then follow him. And yes, we will still stumble. <laughs> and then we go and repent of it. He just wants us to cling to him and come back to him. I feel like it's almost easier to be confronted with your sins when you believe in God and like know that you are okay with him. That was been easier for me. God will repay each person according to what they've done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the good for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Yes. There are some that might suggest that he does. You would suggest he shows favoritism if um, he would pick only certain people that would seem like a favoritism sort of method if you ask yes. me i agree uh let's see so here's another yeah, this kind of goes back into tying into what i was saying about how we when we feel wounded by these things it's God working. It's our conscience working, the Holy Spirit working in us. Our conscience um, is the Holy Spirit. Because verse 15... Verse 15... Oh, wait, well, let's 14. We'll start in 14. 
Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law. So even though they don't know it, the law specifically, or have it, they still end up doing things naturally that are in adherence to the law. They show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness, and their thoughts sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. So our consciences accuse us when we're wrong. They're like, hey, 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 and that doesn't feel good. <laughs> They're like, you are wrong here, you're doing bad, fix it. But then when we're doing things that are right, and other people might be trying to tell us it's wrong, our conscience can also defend us. Be like, no, no, you are supposed to worship God and not bow down to the golden bunny, <laughs> or the chocolate bunny, or whatever. Oh! <laughs> that, that, is, that one was a funny story. Yeah. Anyway. Um, do you have any other highlights in chapter two? In chapter two, uh, I think we covered all of it. Okay. Let's move on to chapter three. So, I really liked verse three here. Verse what if three. someone were unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? And four. Not at all. Let God be true, and every human being a liar, as it is written, so that you may be proved right when you speak, and prevail when you judge. Um, it's just that, like, even when we stumble or are unfaithful to God, that we don't continue to, because we can't be perfectly faithful, because we are, um, we have sin in our lives. But God remains faithful. We don't nullify his faithfulness to us, right? Uh-huh. He's like the perfect husband. Because <laughs> unfaithfulness is another term in marriages where you're saying, oh, that person slept with somebody that wasn't their spouse. And so even if we did that, we would still hold our promise to our, like, in, in, in this analogy, like, God's the husband, so he's going to still hold that marriage covenant as, like, the, the promises he made, I will always love you and take care of you and all this stuff. He will continue even though we have gone and cheated on him. Because he uses that as an example even through in the Old Testament and the story of Hosea, a prophet. He has Hosea marry a prostitute who then runs away and goes back to it, even though they're married, and Hosea goes back after her over again and wins her back again. Pays the price for her, actually. He has to, pay, he has to buy her again. And it's just like God with Israel. Israel was the adulterous wife in that situation. He was using Hosea's life like he had Hosea go through this as an example of what God does with his people. He continues to keep coming back for them, even though they keep running away and doing stupid stuff. <laughs> um, what, do you, what do you have in uh, chapter 3? Chapter 3? Uh... It's a lot of good stuff in here, but I'm trying to focus on what I highlighted here. Nope. You can hold it for a bit. We're almost done. I've highlighted a part where um, he asked this question. Could God be the righteous judge of all the earth? And I find that interesting because, like, yes, he can because he's just amazing. Well, yeah, we were talking earlier. You really liked all the questions Paul writes in there and then answers, don't you? Yeah. I found that fascinating. It's like, is he asking somebody else questions at the beginning? I'm like, no, he's just asking questions to, like, Clarify it. That's his way of clarifying it. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how we have righteousness through faith, not the law exactly. Towards the end, which is good. We're not necessarily following just what the law states. I mean, we are, but in a different way. The law is, is fulfilled in a different way now. <laughs> so then we have chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 7, I think. Uh, blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. Yeah, we would be pretty blessed if he's not counting our sin against us. Well, um, he doesn't. After Jesus, if right? we trust him, yeah. he doesn't. Because we're washed. We're washed. It's all washed away. Is this blessedness only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? We have been saying that Abraham's faith was credited to him as righteousness. Under what circumstance was it credited? 
Was it after he was circumcised? Or before? It was not after, but before. And he received circumcision as a sign, a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. So then, he is the father of all who believe, but have not been circumcised, in order that righteousness might be credited to them. So it's just the whole thing, that we don't have to follow these certain specific rituals or whatever. The circumcision was just a seal, kind of like our baptism. Now... I prefer the baptism. (laughs) Well, good thing I'm a girl. I don't have to do the whole... (laughs) But because we believe in God and follow Jesus, then the seal of that is the baptism. That's just that outward sign. Um, And it's not necessarily something we have to do, but it is something he's called us to do. And we should do our best to follow after what God has commanded us. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, believe and be baptized. Well, I believed, and then it took me years (laughs) <laughs> and finally I was baptized. Because I just didn't understand why. Because it was always told to me, you should be baptized as a public declaration of your faith. And I'm like, I don't need to make a public declaration of my faith. Why does everybody else need to know? Like, what is like? I don't need that glory for myself is what it lo- sounded like to me. But then, as time went on, I realized that the Bible specifically just says, and Jesus like, baptize others. And everybody's like, believe and be baptized. And even the one guy, the eunuch, he's like, well, we're near water, so why shouldn't I be baptized right now, now that I believe and understand what I'm reading here? Yeah. So, yeah. And this is just part of the, um, Paul's explanation of why like the Gentiles are also saved, and the message is not just for the Jews who were circumcised. And yes. We learned in Acts that they don't all have to be circumcised. Remember, there was a whole debate about that. It's like, you don't need, they don't need to follow these things. You guys could even follow all the law. Why are we putting that extra burden on them? <laughs> Yes. Not even our ancestors could follow it, so just shut up! And then my other thing that I highlighted in this chapter that I really liked was uh, verse 16. Therefore, the promise of God comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Because it was Abraham that was given the promise that his children would be God's children, right? And they would be many and all this stuff, and we are now also his children. I had something about... um, When I was talking about his account or something in this chapter. What verse? Which chapter? We're on chapter four, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh... It says it a couple times, but the verse I'm looking at is five? Yes, five. Five. Where it talks about um, Abraham's account and stuff earlier, and then it kind of leads to this. I'm like, is that his account in heaven? Or. I don't know. Please read the verse. Chapter or verse five. I guess. But no one earns God's righteousness. It can only be transferred when we no longer. True, when we no longer really on our own works, but believe in the one who powerfully declares the ungodly to be righteous in his eyes in the faith of the transfers God righteousness in your account. All right, let me read mine. Uh, four five. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, so God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited as righteousness. I think I understand that okay. now. Thank because you. That's all my verse says. It's not as long and winding as yours. Yes, my verse is very long. That's why I wasn't sure if it was verse 5 or 6. So it's not by works, but by trusting God who justifies the ungodly, our faith is credited as being righteous. By being mm-hmm. faithful to God, by having faith that he is going to save us through his son, or has saved us through his son, that is credited to us as righteousness. Because it has to be credited to us as righteousness, because that's how we're saved. And we can't be saved unless we are not righteous. And we're not truly righteous. <laughs> yeah. But our faith makes us righteous because we are then justified by God through grace, which is what I read earlier. Um, his promise to save us comes by faith. We have to have faith that he is going to save us by believing in his son, dying for us, and being repentant of our sin, so that his grace, so, by, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all. Because it is by grace. God does. We don't deserve it, right? Yes, that's very true. We do not deserve. None it. of us. Nope. 
Not a single one. Not just Jade Fire, not just Ruby, and not just the old man, but all of us. We all deserve death. Eternal death. We all deserve death. Eternal death. But God has given us a way out. He's like, all you have to do is believe. Have faith. Mm-hmm. Now some will tell you because we are dead already in sin. Because it does say that in the Bible. We are dead in sin. And then we are brought out from that. That you, it's impossible for you to have faith in God. So he has to choose you and resurrect you first so that you can have faith in him. Read the rest of the Bible. <laughs> they would claim that they have. And they will pull a lot of verses that will tell you that, that it's fine. I disagree with that statement, but it sounds through here with just, and especially if we go through like Hebrews, like I read to you earlier about all of the people that had faith and became right, or that it was all credited as righteousness. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, all of them. (laughs) Whenever you say Jacob, it's when I hear Jet. And then I'm like, oh, you, you're talk, you're about to say Jade Fire, and I'm like, <gasps> oh, <laughs> Jacob. But then when you, and then I hear Gob, and I'm like, oh. All right. So, first off, how is everybody doing? On a couple weeks ago, where we said we'd read our Bible better. Read our Bible better? Yeah, being more diligent about reading it when we're supposed to, or maybe even reading um, on a more regular basis instead of just the two chapters uh, Monday through Thursday. Like reading over the weekend and things like that, because it really helps to read just a chapter a day in general. I feel like we've been really busy. (laughs) Too busy to read the Bible? We should never be too busy. What did you read yesterday that wasn't the Bible? Did you read any comic books? Could you have read the Bible? Could you have done that and still read the comic book, probably? Probably. See, that's just an excuse of being too busy. (laughs) There's usually somewhere you could do it, but you've chosen to do something different. Sometimes you have requirements, like school and Bible quizzing and things like that. A lot of times, for me, is too busy until I forget. But But I could have read it last night. So... Uh, I would encourage you all to be better about that. How has your praying before reading going? Good. I think it's been going pretty good for me. I mean, I might have missed one... Well, one day I kind of chopped up my reading time. But I prayed once before reading that day. How about... Um, oh, that's fine. Uh, how about praying in the morning and or evening? Um, that's been going worse. Uh, I have prayed now and then in the mornings. Have you, did you recall seeing an example of that in the show we watched last night? An example? Oh, yeah. That's what, well, one lady didn't. She talked for a little bit. (laughs) But yes, praying before you got out of bed. Yep. Saw a lot of that, actually. That's a pretty good habit to be in. And did you recognize the content of their prayer? It was glorifying God. It wasn't even necessarily asking a lot of things. It was mostly just being like, you are awesome. You've taken care of my needs. I trust you. Eternal God. It's kind of like, thank you for letting me be here today. And for taking care of me. Yep. So those are things we can try to focus on, probably. And continue focusing on God willing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, is there anything that stood out to you that you think you could apply to your life from the eight chapters we went through today or discussed today? Um, anything that I could pull, apply to my life. When it says how you judge, yet you go and do it yourself, I feel like I can be very judgmental sometimes mm, myself. Okay. So some, that's you're going to work on... Not being so judgmental? Yes. Actually, at a study thing, like a group I went to the other night, uh, not the other night, but like a week ago, actually literally a week ago, um, they talked about that and stuff too there. Okay. Um, Where do you find yourself being the most judgmental, probably? Where I'm the most judgmental. 
Probably in how efficient work is done. I'm like, I judge people like, it's not perfect. But then I go and do it and see how hard it is when I'm cleaning on main mm. floor rooms and stuff. Gotcha. I would say that's one of the spots I'm most judgmental. Are there any specific people you're judgmental towards? Or tend to be? Where you're constantly finding and looking for their faults instead of giving grace. Where you're constantly bringing up those faults, however minor they may be, or making them bigger than they need to be. Is there any of that that happens in your life? Probably with my older brother and my younger sister. Jade Fire and then yep. my younger sister. Good. So those are probably places where you can try to Slow down before you speak to them and about them. Yes. Make sense? Yes. Okay. Probably. Alright. Um, <laughs> Jadefire, how about you? Anything stand out to you in our discussion? Um, mm, not that I can think of this moment. Nothing hit you during this discussion at all? Um... When you were talking about the stuff with the, the list lies. of sins with the depraved yeah. mind. Mm-hmm. That definitely hit me. And that's something God gave them over to, right? Yes. He let them do that. Mm-hmm. So, and that was because they forsook his knowledge and didn't retain the knowledge of God and the Bible and his word. And, not necessarily the Bible, they didn't have the Bible. Um, and, uh,. Also because they worshipped created things rather than the creator, right? They made idols for themselves. Yes. Those were big key parts of that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So maybe that's something you can focus on? Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know what will help with worshipping God as opposed to those things? Reading my Bible? The, <laughs> yeah. That's a very important thing, yes. I was going to say prayer. Ah, yeah. Taking I... the time to actually pray to him in the morning and the evening and maybe even the middle of the day, but definitely before reading the Bible. So at least three times, because you should be reading the Bible every day. Mm-hmm. So in the morning, before you read your Bible, or and or after, and then at the evening. Okay? And focusing, you can ask for things, but also focus on what he's actually already done for you, and how great and perfect he is. <laughs> Those are things that can help you worship him. Because remembering that he's awesome helps you to be able to be like, whoa, you are awesome. And you're worshipping him then, instead of the things that you think are awesome that are passing away. Right? Mm-hmm. And honestly, that's my takeaway as well. Because I can get too infatuated with things, to the point of possibly, or close to worshipping them, or spending too much time with them to forgo- and foregoing God in the process. So. One time, when I was looking for something, I don't remember what... But um, when I was looking for something, then I asked God if he could help me find it, and then I lifted up a blanket or something, and it was right there. That's awesome. Like, right after I had prayed. I was like... Yeah. And also, like, you don't oh, have wow. to just do it once a day, or twice a day, or three times a day. Like, anytime that you feel like he's there, he's ready to talk to you anytime. It doesn't have to be, like, a whole ceremony either. You don't have to get on your hands and knees, or fold your hands and close your eyes, and... Or hold your palms up, or whatever. That doesn't have to be the case every time. I think it's good on occasion to help you just recognize, like, I need to slow down and actually focus on this and not just say something quick and move on with my day, right? Mm-hmm. So, yes. I think we'll continue working on prayer and reading our Bible and worshiping God as opposed to created things. Okay. All right. I will close this out. Dear God, thank you so much for this day, and thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for Romans. is a, is a very juicy book, um, um, and there's just so much there to unpack. And I'm, we're not going to cover uh, cover it all, and I'm going to make mistakes throughout it. I'm sure. Um, help us to not be judgmental. Uh, help us to continue to read our Bible um, regularly, um, daily uh, is the goal. Um, and help us to understand it and help us to be humble enough to seek out answers when we don't um and help us to make sure that we are always worshiping you you are 
so amazing. You have done so much for us. Uh, in my life, you have protected me from so many different harms that I don't even know about, some that I do, and you have given so many blessings to me in both children and home and work. Um, you, There's no reason for me to fear things or try to strive so hard at things when I know that you are going to be there and take care of me. I need to remember that, that you do care for me and you do love me um, and help me to retain the knowledge of your words so that I don't um, get distracted and forget how uh, um, how awesome you are, how magnificent, and how um, and just, yeah, I'm just trying to pursue my own things to the point of not having time for you. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. Um, so just help us to remember you in all things and also just re also remember that your will be done, not ours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.